So we can just go on hiatus during that time. We'll just go dark. Yeah. Or we could do like a... Our listeners a, will be clamoring. We could do a, a remote podcast from... Live from Barcelona. Paris. Are you guys going to be in Barcelona? <laughs> no, we're not going to be in Barcelona. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Oh man, we're going old school. It's throw. It's like a throwback podcast. <laughs> there it is. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I mean, you didn't, Daniel. You were you around for the shoulder lean? Do you remember the shoulder lean? Um, was I around? Yes. Did were you part of the shoulder lean era? I don't think that I partook. Was it? I don't know that it actually was an era, but yeah, hey, whatever. To call it an era is, is <laughs> maybe a bit of an overstatement. I think it's a little bit too charitable. You know, speaking of the shoulder lean, uh, for the purposes of copyright, we actually need to analyze that song. Yeah. And uh, so do you think he meant to create the ultimate in workout for lazy people when he, when he wrote that song? Um, and I'm, by right, I'm, I'm, I'm really stretching. Yeah. 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 No, I, I understand what you're saying. Um, I think it's a metaphor for... Um, for Atlas shrugged, mm. um, because his shoulders were probably leaning. Yeah, uh, they might have been even shrugging. Yes, yeah, right. as as the title might suggest. So I like to maybe think, that's a metaphor. <laughs> it is a metaphor. I think the shoulder lean is just an anthem for the uh, what's that movement? The objectivist for, movement for like Anne Rand. Yeah, what's what was her thing? I don't know. Uh, yeah, it's despicable though. Am I allowed to say that? Am I allowed to have opinions on then? That certain political philosophy on Ayn Rand. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people that like Ayn Rand, uh, especially on the right. They really like, you know, an atheist. Um, yeah, it's yeah. weird. A lot of a lot of like evangelicals Russian. are are all about this like social Darwinism. It's strange. Yeah, it is a very it's a very weird thing. And we got all. And I think that's what um, you know, Young Jock was rebelling against when he wrote Shoulder Lean. Yeah, so maybe. Instead young Dro, sh- excuse me, Young Dro. Oh, can't get that wrong. A thousand apologies, Young Dro. But instead of uh, young instead of shrugging your shoulders, maybe you should lean them. Yeah, and maybe instead of just throwing up your hands and shrugging, maybe you just kind of lean and let that let that social Darwinism fall off. Yeah, just let the weight fall off. Yeah, that's good. That is good. So yeah, uh, I think we've officially caught up to the. Well, I think we've officially analyzed that song. I think that song has been analyzed. Yes. I think it's been analyzed well. I mean, we've... That might be the best analysis I've ever done of anything. I mean, we got Anne Ran into a Young Dro song. Yeah. So this is a good time to plug a sponsor. To plug a sponsor. We need, we need a studio. We do. Well, you know who's sponsoring this episode of the podcast? Uh, tell me. Tell me who's I'll sponsoring give you a, it. I'll just give you a hint. Oh, non-alcoholic beverages. For all your Baptist needs. Mm, yeah, that's actually not happening. But, uh, yeah. Yo, uh, hand me that thing, though. I'm, uh... Daniel, do you know what I'm drinking? Uh, I think I have an idea, but please tell me. It's, uh, whoever wants to give us money's newest brew. 
I'm just drinking a Fanta. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Did Fanta pay us for that spot? Yes. Uh, our newest sponsor, Fanta. Um, if you remember the Fantanas. Oh, the Fantanas. Yeah. Do you want a Fanta? Uh, <laughs> don't you. Don't you? Don't you want to? <laughs> really? That's good. Yeah. Well, well played. Yes. Yeah. So this is the, uh, I guess we're calling this the Culture Fest. Um, the Culture Culture Pod. Culture Fest sounds a lot like we're Coachella. Oh, the Culture like the culture Cast. Culture Cast, yeah. Culture Cast. That's what we decided yeah, to call yeah. it. Um like all of 15 minutes ago when I was not drinking. Uh, <laughs> and so, yeah, we're just going to kind of take some things that are happening in culture and talk about them. And if anyone wants to listen to them, amen. Be our guest. Yeah. That's why we're recording it. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure that anyone's listening besides my wife, but, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, we actually have a dedicated fan base that uh, yeah, is growing. Yeah, it's a growing fan base. I mean... And by growing, I mean it was zero, and now it's one. Yes. So that's a that's an infinite increase, is what I'm trying to say. Is it's <laughs> infinitely greater than the number of listeners we had before we started the podcast? Because we had zero, and now we're one. Yeah. It's a math thing. Don't ex- ask me to explain how it works. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, here we are. Uh, so on um, Daniel, this one I would really like to kind of talk about um, a sort of phenomenon i guess you could say that's kind of overtaking uh just sort of the broader narrative of what we're all what everyone's talking about which is uh political correctness okay yeah and here's the thing that i want to come at this with is a couple things one let's let's get a definition of what political correctness means or at least like let's try to get something a working definition of what the heck we're talking about because i feel like people just throw the word around a little bit yeah so can you do you have like a working definition of what you mean by political correctness or like? Yeah, I I, don't, I struggle to define it because I feel like the context in which most people use the word political correctness is not a political context, right? Um, but I think uh, the way you know most people would define the term would be kind of a, a self censorship. Right um, of sorts, or what, the prior restraint, I think, would be the, the official legal term, where you are um, attempting uh, to the best of your ability to not offend someone or to use language that is inclusive or not oppressive, uh, whatever the case may be. Right, I think that's a good a good way of doing it. I guess the way to think about it is if we're being charitable to political correctness, or at least like the positive side of political correctness. Yeah. You know, if there is if there is such a thing as a positive or negative side, but to give it the kind of best spin, it is a sort of self censorship where you become aware of biases that you use in your language, biases in kind of everyday life, and you try to eliminate those mm-hmm. consciously. It's a sort of yeah, like I think self conscious censorship is is right on the nail. It's hit, hitting the nail on the head. Right, it on is the nail. right on the fingernail. It is right on the fingernail. <laughs> oh, that beer got to me quick. <laughs> and AJ is all of three sips in. Mm. I mean non-alcoholic drink. Yeah, uh, yeah, we're all in of uh, whatever it is. Yeah, for all our Baptist, <laughs> for all our Baptist friends, yeah. we're drinking a a soda out of a bottle. For all of our people who aren't Baptists who are listening to this, um, it's beer. Um, <laughs> root beer. Yeah, root beer. Cover your ears, Baptist. It's beer. It's beer. <laughs> yeah, but um, no, I think I think um, I'm drinking beer. <laughs> I'm drinking beer. I think the term 
the reason I say I, I, I struggle to define it well is because I, I think people just use it as kind of a catch-all. Right. Um, and I was telling you a little bit earlier, but when it comes to political correctness, I am erratically moderate uh, on my views regarding political correctness, and we can dissect what that means. Yeah, I mean, hey, you're already you're on a roll, man. Dissect. Di- tell tell me what you mean by radically moderate, because I w- I would be interested to hear what you have to say on it. So maybe I can either agree or we can agree to disagree, or I can convince you that I'm an idiot. That you're right, <laughs> <laughs> or the other way around. Well, I think there's a tendency among among a lot of uh, devout Christians. Uh, especially Christians who align uh, themselves on the right politically to, to view political correctness as something that's inherently negative. Um, Yeah. Like, Oh, it's just the Washington elites trying to control my speech. But I think that uh, in doing so, sometimes we miss out on the fact that maybe we shouldn't oppress people with, with our language. Um, Maybe we, you know, maybe, maybe there's something to it when when James tells us to tame the tongue. Yeah, I here's here's how I kind of approach this is I is I tend to think it's not so much a matter of like uh, of political correctness as in something that's happening now. I think it's just something that everyone's becoming aware of. Mm-hmm. Meaning, like certain words and phrases and things have been offensive for a long time. Sure. And just because no one told you or you didn't know it was offensive doesn't mean that it's, it wasn't. Mm-hmm. Like, it's been offensive for a long time. Yeah. Like, uh, I actually think, yeah, we were at somewhere, uh, a establishment which will not be named, mm-hmm. um, being served by a, a gentleman whose name will not be revealed. Um, but he was telling us, and this is a, uh, a white gentleman, um, Caucasian, to use the... Um, politically correct term, uh, was, was telling us about how he had seen karaoke in a bar and he, uh, got to this point in this rap song where he was, uh, you know, singing and he, um, used the N word because it was in the song. And so some people told him some African Americans who happened to be there at the same bar, um, you know, said, Hey, please, please don't use that. Or I don't know. I don't, I don't know how they said it, but they basically said, don't say that. Mm -hmm. Um, and, you know, he was basically like, well, you know, slavery was a long time ago. It's not a big deal, whatever. I can say whatever I want. It's a free country. And I think the, the positive side of political correctness is to say, like, no, that's not okay. Uh, you know, these words are offensive. Yeah. And you shouldn't say them. And so I think that's definitely a positive side. Where we we look at words and we go, no, they are offensive, and the people that whom they're directed about get to decide if they're offensive or not. Mm-hmm. You know, I as a a white male do not get to decide what is, you know, um, what is it disparaging towards African Americans. Like African Americans get to decide that. So yeah, and I think that's kind of the key in the conversation because I feel like uh, the, the reason why I would consider myself moderate when it comes to the 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 issue of political correctness is I do think that sometimes it, it's overused. Um, in, in what ways? Well, I think, and, and, and I can only speak from my own experience as a non-white man in America, but, uh, sometimes there's, there's a, wait, you're not, you're not white. Uh, surprise. Oh. Um, yeah, sorry. 
Um, we'll talk about it later. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> Before someone starts boycotting us, I'm just kidding. It's just a joke. So, sorry. <laughs> Thousand apologies. Um, but see, so something like that, we can use that as a, as a good case study. Thank you, AJ. You're welcome. Um, Count I th- on me to be unpolitically correct. I think a, uh, uh, an overzealous view of political correctness would think that that exchange was inappropriate. Um, whereas I am completely okay with that exchange. And I think the problem arises when I think you kind of hit the nail on the head. Um, it's not, it's not the job of, you know, a socially conscious white progressive to tell people how minorities feel about language. Preach brother, preach. Uh, and honestly, like this might be just my experience, but oftentimes it's even more offensive to me as someone who is Latino when someone speaks for me mm. um, and speaks for my experience when they have no idea what that experience is. Yeah, this is this is something I struggle with. And maybe, yeah, this is actually a helpful direction to take this because, you know, I would really like to know what, how to how to do this well. So what I mean by that is, you know, to continue on with our story that I told a little while ago, when the person told me that story, I said, like, well, actually, it, it is offensive, and you shouldn't say that. Um, as far as, you know, you shouldn't, you shouldn't use the N-word. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, if somebody wants to say it in a rap song, that's their prerogative. But, yeah. like, you know, you yourself should not, shouldn't use that word, you know, whether it's in a rap song or whatever. Just don't use it. Mm-hmm. Like, but here's my, here's my question is, like, where, where is that appropriate? Like, how can, how can, you know, we being, you know, white people... Uh, <laughs> To make us all a big monolith. Uh, how can, like, where... I'm trying to get to the point of, like, how can we be helpful Yeah. without, you know, speaking on your behalf, without, like, taking your voice away? Like, what's... Where's that line? Well, I think... Um, I think the, the key is to... Is the fact that... So, with, with the N-word, uh, particularly, um, it's not news that it's an offensive word. Right, you're not saying anything new for the black community when you say maybe we shouldn't say the N word right. because that's something that a lot of people in the black community have been saying for a long time. Right. Um, so I think that's where that's where you know, as a white person, it is appropriate to say, hey, maybe maybe let's listen, you know, to what the uh, the black community has been saying about the use of the N word. Right. Um, I think I think the problem arises when. Um, when it, 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 when the case becomes that you're, you're speaking on behalf of the black community without first listening to what the black community says, like you're starting, you're getting offended for them. Yeah. Yeah. That makes, I mean, that does make a lot of sense. And actually I think that's a really helpful distinction, which is, you know, we can, we can stand up, you know, shoulder to shoulder with people who, you know, say this is offensive and then say, you know, I'm, I'm with you. I, 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 you know, you should be able to be spoken to in a way that you deem as respectful, Mm -hmm. you know? Uh, but I guess we, we can't be the ones who are defining the, the terms of that, or we can't be the ones defining the limits. Well, and it's tricky because by definition, the white community dominates the conversation. Yes. Um, and it's not, a desire to be domineering. It's Are you just, trying to send me subliminal messages about how much I talk on the podcast? Uh, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm not going to say no, but um, it's. I don't think it comes from a from a, a desire to be consciously domineering. Um, 
However, just the fact that most of the American population is white means that the white people will dominate the conversation. Yeah. Um, so I think there is a time and a place for um, the white community to say, no, like we're also going to, going to make a stand and take a stand on, on, right on this. But I think, so I think it, it just requires a thoughtful desire to listen. And, and one, um, I think it's kind of a funny, um, speaking of listening. Yeah. My mom's calling, hang on. Do you want me to answer this while we're on the, sure. Let's hang on. Let's, let's just go with this. We can cut it if it's bad. Hello. Well, you're you're on the podcast right now. Congratulations, welcome. Oh, oh, how much fun is that? Really? <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're in the middle of the podcast, and uh, I looked at Daniel and I said, "Daniel, I have to take this um, because it could end up being hilarious." <laughs> so, uh, wow, cool. cool. I'm really enjoying y'all's podcast, especially when you reviewed the music in the beginning. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Do you have any Do you have any musical suggestions of what we should? Intro with? Well, you know, um, how about Can't Touch This? Oh, that is a good one, actually. Yeah, yeah. Good, I like that. Pick. I think that would be a great one. Yeah, that one. Get some um, MC Hammer. Um, but I was going to ask you if you could help me with some computer stuff, but I don't want that on the podcast. So. Too late um, now. <laughs> it's on there now. <laughs> oh, oh. Yeah, you're, you're, the, the phone is right next to the microphone. <laughs> okay, so it's between you and me, Daniel, and your seven... Your seven podcast listeners. <laughs> Is that it? That's that's a charitable number. That's, yeah, that's that's a charitable number. Yeah, seven. I mean, if you're including the three of us that are on the podcast, Daniel's girl, no, Daniel's no, girlfriend. Yeah, you, Abby. That's six, and then we might have one poor soul. Yeah, who, who's phone? Oh, yeah, Abby's mom and dad. We have eight listeners, okay? So you'd better check yourself before you wreck yourself, is what I'm trying to say. We're going to be famous. Okay, you, you will be. If this catches on, because you all are hilarious, and you all make excellent points. I really, there were a couple things That's I listened to in your first one, and I was like, wow, that was good. That was a five-star review right there. Yeah. It was. That, that from me, it is. <laughs> Glowing endorsement from, from a listener. Well, what's your computer question? Daniel's a Daniel's a computer guy. Well, why we're here, we're just taking listener questions. <laughs> <laughs> listener's question. Yes. Uh, no, I just was wondering if you could help me. I'm, you know, all the laptops that we have in the house. So, you know, because I got the new one, get rid of it. But I'd like to have my new one hooked into the office with the printer and all that. And I was wondering if you could do all that for me at some point. I think you might have to install the driver software. Daniel says he thinks you may have to install the and. Install the driver software. I probably would. It's an old printer. Yeah. Oh, so maybe not. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess I can do that at some point. Uh, yeah, I'm going to uh, that tower. I have a tower. I just took a laptop computer into Bad Boys and gave it to them. They were using for parts. It, it had Windows <laughs> XP on it. I mean, really. Right? <laughs> yeah. So, so they'll be able to use that. That's what I thought. <laughs> okay, well, uh, yeah, um, I'll, I guess I'll call you back when I when I'm uh, not on on the air. <laughs> you know what? You know what? You're gonna get so many requests that the next podcast you're gonna have to call me and include me in it. I know it's gonna be. We're gonna have to get you like a little. We're gonna have to include you in our logo. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, that little picture which I loved. It took me a minute to figure out which one was you, honey. But I, I 
Shout outs. <laughs> okay, bye. Bye. Anyway, Daniel, you were saying that's great. I didn't mean to interrupt you no, with my white privilege. I love that. That that is the yeah. That is a gleaming image of. I just want everyone to know we totally didn't plan that. Like I got the phone call and just decided, that is my mother. Yeah, like, that is that's awesome. That is her one speed, which is just like. <laughs> Hey! Oh, I'm on the podcast. How amazing is that? Like, just excited to just excited. That was that's uh, great. I like how she was just like, "Oh, how exciting! I'm on the podcast." Yeah. No, um, I, I love that. Um, oh gosh. Well, I don't even. You. I was talking about something to do with uh, racism, probably. Yeah, but. Uh, well, you were. I think what you were saying was you were talking about uh, b- before my mom called. Listening, yes. Uh, you were just talking about like listening, and then us, you know, as as white people, not defining the conversation. Like, yeah. So, I think uh, one good story that, or one good interaction that I uh, that kind of illustrates this is um, I used to work for a certain institution of of uh, repute. Oh, um, that sounds so sketchy. Yeah, it does. But it, I just don't want to. Daniel, do you have anything you want to confess to us here <laughs> on the podcast? Um, did you have a, like a long stint in Vegas for Listen, a while? Did you I'm, have a show? I'm Colombian, and that's all you need to know. Okay, <laughs> I don't um, know what that means, <laughs> but we'll go with it. Sure. But yeah, so I used to work for this uh, academic institution of of repute. Um, of repute. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, uh, and we were throwing an event for students to attend, um, and one of my supervisors, we were we were doing like a like a Mexican uh, me- Mexican food. Thing. I just have a quick question. Yes. At this event, did you have a reggae horn? We did not. And I... Okay, there it is. Um, <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah, so we were having like a Mexican food night uh, type of thing. Um, we are going to be serving tacos and all that stuff. So probably not actually Mexican, like Tex-Mex. Well, for white people, it's Mexican. Yeah, yeah. So some Taco Bell. But um, <laughs> there it is. Um, but one of my supervisors... Um, she was stumbling over how to say the word Mexican food, right? She was like, so do we get them, uh, Hispanic food? Is it, is it okay to say Mexican food? And I thought that was so funny because there's no such thing as Hispanic food because food doesn't speak Spanish. Uh, (laughs) but also, (laughs) (laughs) yo soy burrito. (laughs) Also, I feel like, I feel like, um, it just kind of highlights the the negative aspect of of PC culture, which is we're afraid to say things, right? And yeah. and I think both sides are are uh, caused by not being not not partaking in in the larger conversation. Um, yeah, it's almost like you're not well informed. Yeah, and therefore, like you say something, you, you're you're scared to say anything. Well, and in, in assuming that the word Mexican is somehow offensive. Or saying Mexican food is somehow offensive. That's actually kind of offensive. <laughs> <It's>, well, here's <laughs> here's my here's my counter. Here's and I'm going to give you from the uh, you know the white person who doesn't want to stick their foot in their mouth perspective. Sure. Which is like, would you rather? I guess like there's, you know, I guess what you would rather is like we would just say like, Hey Daniel, is this offensive if I say this and just ask you? <laughs> but it, outside of that, I feel like the kind of 
this is a false dichotomy, but it's just a podcast. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, it's, would you, I guess, would you prefer that like we're kind of oversensitive to it versus like undersensitive? I mean, I, I, what I'm trying to say is I, I bet that person's intentions are just, they want to be super cautious because they don't want to. They don't want to be offensive. They don't want to be offensive. And um, I guess, would you say that's a step in the right direction? I would say, and, and this is just me personally, I think when people are oversensitive, um, sometimes it can be patronizing. Yeah. Like like um, people who are minorities or people who have historically been oppressed are um, like these like really delicate flowers that we need to be careful around. What I would rather, best case scenario, is you say something and it might come out as offensive, but when I inform you that, inform you that that was offensive then you take that with, with grace and humility. Yeah. Um, as opposed to, you know, you say something that's offensive and then I inform you and then you're just like, oh, you're just oversensitive. Yeah, I feel like there's, I, I feel like what happens is one of two things. And I've seen this happen. And, you know, shout out to um, friends like you and friends that I, that, um, you know, I have some African-American friends that I've been fortunate enough to have like lengthy conversations with. Mm-hmm. Um, where I've said something stupid and then they were like, Hey, let me explain to you why that's a stupid thing to say. Yeah. But you know, who, who really were helpful, um, and were patient and were willing. But I think, you know, what, what tends to happen is we, we unconsciously are very patronizing mm-hmm. of, you know, well, Daniel's little sensitive ears may not be able to handle what I'm about to say. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's still a sense of superiority. Yeah. It's still a sense of I'm, I'm better than you. And, you know, Daniel just needs to, Daniel needs time to grow up. It's a sense of honestly, just paternalism. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, but, but I think, I mean, if you're, for the most part, people know if what they're saying is okay or not. Amen. Where's, hang on. <laughs> Is there going to be, okay. Okay. You get three for that. Cause Man, yes, I'm for the most part, there's like, I would, I would 125% agree with that, that for the most part, you know, what's offensive. Yeah. But sometimes couch, I think what, what makes me upset is people hide behind, oh, you're just being politically correct. I'm like, no, I'm just not being a racist. Mm-hmm. Like, you know. I, yeah, and I think what people sometimes fail to understand, and I fail to understand this too, because um, it's not it's not just a one-way street, right? It's not just white people having to lead the charge and not being douchebags. Mm-hmm. I think generally everyone should try to not be a douchebag. Um, Hot take. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's radical. Um, but... Um, Oh man, I feel uh, I feel oppressed yeah. uh, by your <laughs> sorry by your white privilege. Um, <laughs> what, what was I even saying? You were saying that I I feel like everyone should not be a douchebag. Yeah, I think uh, one thing people uh, generally speaking should keep in mind is the fact that when they say things, um, things that are considered offensive, it never exists in a vacuum, or it seldom does. So. Uh, the way language works is, so for example, the N-word mm-hmm. in and of itself inherently is not an offensive word. Inherently, the N-word isn't 
you know, it, it's not intrinsically an offensive word. Yeah, it's imbued with meaning. Right, exactly. And that's the thing. Um, why, why shouldn't people say the N-word? Well, because white people have used the N-word to oppress black people for 400 years. Right. And to oppress them, not just in making fun of them, but in lynching them and killing them and persecuting them and enslaving them and belittling them and erase, er, erasing their culture, erasing their history, erasing their heritage. Um, right. And you could say that for, for any other number of, of, of racial, um, racial slurs or, or uh, for slurs that, you know, are meant to belittle someone's sexual orientation. And here's the deal. Like, even as a Christian, if you, if you hold a traditional Christian moral ethic when it comes to sexual orientation, that doesn't mean that you have the right to belittle people based on that. Yeah, I don't think I've ever won someone to Christ by calling them a faggot. Yeah. Like, I don't think that's ever... I'm pretty sure that's never happened. And you, so let's just not do it. You won't. And and that's the thing. People people think, yes, we have freedom of speech. And ultimately... <laughs> freedom of speech is one thing, but it's it's also the the right to remain silent. Right, yeah. You well, also and, have the, the and option you, to you shut do, up. You do have a right to be offensive if you want to be. Um, but it won't... It won't stop people from, A, thinking you're a douche. Also, if you're a Christian, you're not supposed to be offensive. The gospel is offensive, but you're not supposed to be offensive. Hey. Um, and that's just kind of what, what fires me up with, with a lot of, you know, otherwise very devout Christians um, decrying the ills of the PC culture. They're, they're not permitting us to express ourselves the way we, we would desire. Well, guess what? If you're supposed to represent Christ on earth, then maybe recognize that some of your desires and in, in, in trying to express yourself a certain way are sinful. Um, they're offensive. They're not constructive. They're not worthy of the gospel. I want to say, I think that that's a good point. From, from my perspective, what, what really annoys me is I think is... So many people want um, the people that are oppressed to make the first step. And I really, really feel like as far as making the move towards reconciliation and towards trying to understand people, those that have been on the top, those that have been the benefactors of the oppression, really need to make the first step. Hmm. And I mean, maybe you can agree or disagree with that, but I, I mean, I would be interested to hear what you had to say. But I just... I. I think that as the ones who did the enslaving, mm-hmm. you know, as the ones who benefited from the oppression, as the ones who who have not experienced it, I think it's really important for us to reach out and not, first of all, not assume that we know, that we mm-hmm. get it. There's one thing that I see all the time, and I've been guilty of it too, which is just assuming that we know, mm-hmm. assuming that we understand, assuming that we can know what it's like. And we don't. We have no idea. Uh, on the flip side, uh, I think it's just sometimes we're waiting for like, you know, African Americans or um, Hispanics or whoever to tell us and instead of just reaching out. Mm-hmm. And not in a way, you know, with a friend who you're comfortable with and who will be comfortable with you and not take it the wrong way. But at the same time, like, I really feel like it's very important that we say, Hey, like, can you help me understand this? Like, I don't understand it. And just humbly 
come to people yeah, and just say, will you, will you help me explain this and not try to think that we have all the answers or we understand what's going on, but just let, you know, like the conversation we just had, you know, let you explain to me your, your experiences. Let you explain to me how things make you feel, you know, I feel like I, I got a whole new perspective from just listening to what you had to say. So I think, but going to someone and say, hey, let's talk about this, and then listening and just trying to receive from that person. I don't know. I mean, have you have you had that experience? Is there a lot of people that have done that? Or is it, what is, what do you think like, what do you think like white America can do? <laughs> well, I think. It's all about us, Daniel. <laughs> At the end of the day, it's really all about us. Well, I, I mean, in the, it kind of gets back to what I was saying about, um, you know, the white community having dominion over the conversation. Um, and what I mean by that is I do think that it is, I mean, the ball is kind of in, in white America's court. Uh, and that's just by definition. has been for quite a while. <laughs> um, but what that looks like, what it doesn't look like is assuming, you know, you know, what has to be done. Like sort of uh, taking fake stands almost, like posturing, yeah. like look at how enlightened I am and uh, I don't say the N-word anymore. So I'm, you know, yeah, it's, it's, it's I'm, like this, part of the, I'm part of the solution. This weird like intellectual snobbery. But I think honestly the first step, and this is something that um, shouldn't just be reserved for white people because this is a daily exercise for myself is recognizing what the problem is in yourself. Hey, preach. and I remember specifically after the, the whole like ordeal in Ferguson, Yeah, I just kind of had to take a step back and I thought to myself, okay, like why do I feel the way I feel about this? And what I reckon or what I recognized, what I realized is me as a Hispanic man in America in 2016 or it wasn't 2016, 2015, huh. but, um, if I was a police officer in Ferguson, Missouri, or anywhere in America, what would be my biases? And I realized that, yes, if I saw a group of black people hanging out together, I would immediately think they're up to no good. Mm-hmm. And if I saw a group of white people hanging out together, I would not think that. If I saw a group of Hispanic people hanging out together, I would also think they're up to no good. If I saw a group of Middle Eastern looking people hanging out together, they're probably up to no good either. Yeah, I think I, I don't remember who said this, but it was somebody. Somebody said it a long. It was a long time ago, but it was on like NPR. Somebody basically said like, I don't want to attribute it to the wrong person, but there was somebody who said like, you know, who was African American who said, you know, I walk down a dark alley and I see an African American youth and I, I get afraid. But then he followed it up by, but that's not the correct response. Yeah, like it's not. You know, I think so many times. Sometimes what we do is say. Well, that's just my natural reactions. But then realizing that your natural reactions are sinful and wrong. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't know anything about that person. And you I know think nothing about that human being. I think that's what the first step should be. Mm-hmm. Um, and this might be me just being, you know, kind of doing the exact same thing and looking down on people. But I would assume that if I have those biases, um, other people do too. Yeah. Which is why when someone gets on national television and just you know, says I do not have any racist tendencies. I think it's ridiculous that in 2016 anyone would like that we would have to bring bring up racism. Yeah, uh, this is so. I want to 
Yeah, I actually want to push on that a little bit. We're moving from PC culture to like just flat out racism, but sure. here's what I want to. <laughs> here's what I do want to say is like, you know, I'm going to go back to this story because you were there when I was talking with this guy, and he he's like, well, you know, he said the N word in, in the song, and he was like, well, slavery was like, you know. 150 years ago, like that doesn't affect anyone anymore. I feel like the, what the rhetoric is is to try to say we're in a post-racial culture, mm-hmm. meaning like that doesn't matter anymore. And I just, I find that super offensive. <laughs> On one hand, because I, I find it like just it's tone deaf. It's so it's so out of touch, and it's also just a refusal to look into your own self. Mm-hmm. But I mean, we are. Less are we less than a year removed from somebody walking into a church and shooting people because they were African American? Mm-hmm. Like I feel like we're less than, you know, uh, we're less than a year removed from that. Um, if you're ready for a hot take, uh, we still fly Confederate flags like mm. all over the place, and to to try to ex- to try to say that that's not it's a mark of pride or whatever. That's you know. Neither here nor there, but like it was a war that had to that was meant to keep people enslaved, mm-hmm. and I just don't understand one why we glorify it, and two why the rhetoric of this post-racial society continues to take off. I feel like it's just a I don't want to deal with it. So what is the what does the Christian do? Because I feel like. You bring up a good point with the Confederate flag ordeal. I think it did take on like a oh here's PC culture taking something away from us again. You know, here's here's actually if you're ready for yeah, we'll we'll just get real this is the uncomfortably Christian podcast. So we'll get all real uncomfortable. There's been a reaction after like after liberalism in the church that was very concerned with like political movements and social justice to back away from that. Mm-hmm. Um and so what you see is, like, you either see on the conservative evangelical side, you see people voting, like, the the religious right. Mm-hmm. Or you see complete disengagement. Yeah. I think that's a problem. Uh, I think we have reacted so hard against the liberalism, quote-unquote, not liberalism politically, but liberalism movement theologically mm-hmm. that now we're afraid to take a stand on anything because we're so well it's all about salvation mm-hmm. and it's all about the you know the new birth and all that and certainly amen amen yes it is about salvation and Jesus came to save sinners and that was his mission like mm-hmm. he did that and amen I agree I'm with you but I feel like what we've done is we boxed the gospel in and said you know, the gospel is really about you and I going to heaven, and it really doesn't affect anything outside of that. Mm-hmm. And that's just, that's wrong, it's false, and it's a perversion of the gospel. Yeah. Because the gospel says that God is remaking the whole world in the way that he means for it to be. Mm-hmm. And so when you see systematic oppression, and we may disagree with the solutions, but we should all agree on the fact that we need to stand up and take a stand Yeah. and say, this is wrong. And and not be married to the fact of like, again, it goes back to, you know, if someone says it's offensive, like don't start arguing with them about why it shouldn't, why it's not offensive. Well, I think, I mean, I just, 
I haven't ever understood why there's that whole anti-PC rhetoric within Christianity because, so I look at something like uh, when Paul talks about eating food that has yeah. been, uh, what is it, like it's in the it's temples. It's been sacrificed to idols. It's been sacrificed to idols. Like you're allowed to do it unless it causes someone else to stumble and right. then don't do it because you're sinning against your brother. That's like the most PC thing that I could ever see. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's that's exactly what it is. It's it's if it's going to call someone else, you know, even if you don't think I'm not trying to be offensive. Like let's take the Confederate flag for example. Uh, I'm trying to be charitable here with it, but like let's say you really think that that's an, a sign of Southern culture, mm-hmm. a sign of you're you're just proud to be from the South, and so that's why you're doing it, like. Let's. There's other ways to be proud to be from the South. Mm-hmm. Like, and if African Americans are like, "Hey, this really has a tinge of slavery to it," which is a historical, a historically better argument. Uh, well, but even even if it didn't, like, if even if historically the Confederate flag wasn't a symbol for the pro-slavery movement, it is now. Yeah, or at least it makes. It makes those people who have endured a ton of violence against them because of the color of their skin really, really uncomfortable. And it harkens back to a time in which they were, you know, dehumanized and forced to work on fields. Mm -hmm. And so to continually say, like, oh, well, it's not a big deal. Just just submit to your... Just, like, why... It doesn't matter. It's not that big of a deal. It's not a hill worth dying on. Mm -hmm. Even, you know, even if... It's just not a... It's not something that we need to get that worked up about that like you know we're gonna move away from the confederate flag first of all like it's not the american flag <laughs> it's a, it's just a sign it's just a symbol and you yeah. can be proud to be from the south and not fly a confederate flag i'm proud to be from the south and i celebrate that by eating cornbread amen and going to cracker barrel <laughs> cracker barrel oh cracker barrel <laughs> but i think i think uh where where the the line is drawn is that the gospel transforms not just the oppressor, but the oppressed, right? So just as, uh, the, the oppressor's job, I guess, I don't know, job role is to seek that reconciliation. I think, uh, and this might be, this might be dangerous territory that I'm delving into, but I think the oppressed when, uh, transformed by the gospel, I think we also have a responsibility to, to be Christ-like. Um, and what I say by that is maybe let's not get completely outraged when someone does something that's inappropriate. Maybe our first reaction shouldn't be to, you know, to yell at someone, to scream at someone, to respond to that disrespect with more disrespect, maybe let's try to be a little bit more charitable and assume the best in people. Yeah, I mean, I would I would agree with that. Um, the only thing I would say on that is I think that to constantly expect a the oppressed to take the high road is is naive and stupid. Um, yes, and to con- I think because this is what happens is you know. Here we go. We're going to get into this now. People are going to hate us. Uh, you know, when you look at, I'm trying to think of something that's not as controversial, but <laughs> it's it's hard. So look at like the protests that break out when, I'm trying to think of something that was objectively wrong. I mean, 
there's been a lot of violence in black communities related yeah. to the police. Let's, let's just, just say, yeah, yeah. Let's just say it that way. Just I'm trying. I'm trying to like balance this. Let's but say like, like Rodney King or something. Yeah, I mean, there have been like yes, we can say that maybe not in every instance. The police may have been justified in some instances, but very clearly there were racial motivations in some instances mm-hmm. that if the person were white, they'd probably be alive today. I can prob- I can say that. I can't probably say that. I can say that definitively. Okay. Um, I think- but to constantly expect that those communities will suffer in silent, um, Christ-like calmness and not you know, react in sort of visceral ways is naive and dumb. Well, but I guess what I'm trying to get at is not necessarily not saying you're naive and dumb. I'm just saying like that, that people tend to say, Oh, well, you know, so-and-so needs like what happens is someone's getting oppressed. Mm -hmm. And then instead of dealing with the oppression and saying like, we need to reform the criminal justice system. What we do is say, Look at them rioting and protesting like that. Yeah. That's, you know, this is the problem is they're doing, is they're reacting in this way. You well, know. but I think I think the reason why that is is because it's it doesn't take into account the fullness of the gospel, um, which is what I'm trying to say is not like when someone reacts violently and viscerally, it does not excuse you from acting in a Christ-like way, and I do think that goes both ways. So you know, let's let's take something like the Ferguson riots, right? The fact that um, people rioted doesn't mean that we now ignore what they're rioting about. Exactly. That's, that's, that's a much better way to say what I was trying to say. However, I think that as a Christian on either side of the oppressed oppressor spectrum, we should have a more gospel centric Christ-like way of viewing oppression. Yes. Um, and it is by definition idealistic. Um, but, but I, I, I am, I'm convinced that if, if the gospel is true, then it's transformative, not just to the oppressor, but also to the oppressed. Well, on that tweetable moment, I'm, I think, I think that's a good conversation. I think we'll, we'll call it capped there. All right. Um, yeah. Thanks, Daniel. I feel like I learned a lot there. Um, yeah. Check us out on Facebook and on Twitter. Um, Daniel, we have a Twitter now. What's our... What's our Twitter handle? We do have a Twitter handle. It is at uncomfortably X in X I N X I A N X I A N. Yeah. It's like Xmas, but like, Oh, I get it. Okay. X in because, cool. uh, because uncomfortably Christian didn't fit. Yeah. It was too big. It's too long. I understand. Uh, yeah. So thanks for listening. Um, thanks to my mom for dropping in yeah. on on that part of the podcast, realizing the direction that that went, uh, it's more funny, but, uh, Hey, yeah, stay tuned. We've got some other stuff coming out. Um, and yeah, thanks for listening.